bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Dear kind, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, as we stand, Lord, in your divine presence this evening, Lord, and we think of the lyrics of this blessed song, Lord, that more than anything, Lord, we love you more than anything, Lord, and we esteem this word, Father, Lord, that we're about to approach more than our very own bread, Lord, more than our next meal. We want you more than that. And Father God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing us in your divine presence, Lord. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for all your blessings, for bringing us through another week. Father, we come here, Lord, and we've come to be gathered in divine presence to hear from you, Lord. Father, Lord, you know we're just the frailty of humanity, and we're not, we haven't come, Lord, to gather to one another. But, Lord, we've come to gather around your unchanging, unfailing word. We ask, Father, Lord, that you help us, Lord, as we examine ourselves according to this word, Father, Lord, that you help us to draw nearer to you. May truly our hearts burn within us, Lord, and may something be said in this service, Lord, that even I as a minister can just take away, Lord, and just go over, Father, Lord, and to just commune with you. We love you, Lord. We ask that you speak to our hearts. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Please be with each and every need. We give you all the praise, honor, and the glory as we give our lives to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. It's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you and speak about the unchanging God that we serve, the living word, amen. He's the living bread that came down from heaven, and that's what we're feasting on. You know, we're not giving our own opinions, and, and we don't just give what we think and, or, you know, opinions. We're giving the word of the Lord, amen. If you'll turn with me to your Bibles, thank you, musicians, to Matthew chapter 27. We'll begin with verse 15, then Hebrews 13, 8, which will be, familiar to most of us you may not even have to turn there but Matthew 27 verse 15 we'll begin reading blessed be the name of the Lord there's no other place I'd rather be than in the house of God amen verse 15 now at the feast at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Think about that. The chief priests, the most respected religious order of that day, they actually persuaded the multitude to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain Will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water, and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. 
Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. If I take a text this, this, this evening, I'd like to title this, What Will You Do With This Word Called The Message? What will you do with this word called the message? We hear that term a lot, but we have to recognize that Jesus Christ is the anointed word for the day. Christ means the anointed one. In verse 22, I want to emphasize, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Christ was the anointed word of the day. And Pilate is asking them a very, very pivotal question. He said, what then shall I do? If you want Barabbas and you don't want the prince of life, if you don't want the word for your day, what then shall I do with this Jesus called the anointed one? And they all said, let him be crucified. We know that history repeats itself. The secular world even knows that. When studying history, you can even... You can even study secular history and you can understand that history repeats itself. History repeats itself and we find that even nature, excuse me, even in nature you see the same thing. Every season, whenever the earth is in a certain rotation and a distance from the sun, the same season happens. When springtime comes, you can expect life to come forth. In the autumn, you can expect the life to start going into the roots. Why? Because it's a repetition. So whenever God, the scripture also repeats itself. So when things are in the same scriptural order, you can look back in the scripture and see that what happened 2,000 years ago is actually repeating the same today. Scriptural history repeats itself because the word and letter could not redeem us. The faith of the promise, you believed unto that promise. You believed the Messiah was coming, and that justified you. But it took Jesus to actually come and bleed and die to redeem us. It took the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem us. It, it could not save us while it was still in letter form. It had to become manifested. It had to be vindicated, and then it could be a redemption for our sins. When Isaiah 53 could not redeem us until he became flesh and blood. When Isaiah said, behold, a virgin shall conceive, and the virgin did not conceive yet 700 years or so, he could not have redeemed us. But whenever that word that was swirling around, Brother Jerry, found a place in a young teenage virgin, and then Jesus came through the process of time, in the virgin and was actually born Emmanuel, God himself, he could then live and breathe and die for your sins, and he could then die for my sins. You see, he had to become flesh in order to come and pay the price. Malachi 4 and all these scriptures of this message in Revelation 10:7 and Luke 17:30 could not prepare the bride, could not call out a bride, could not even prepare us for a rapture until it became manifested. 
if God would not have sent his prophet, we would not be sitting in this church right now. Most of us would not be in any church right now. But it had to come off of the letter, get into God's chosen vessels, and then God could be, it could benefit us. God could then call out a bride. Do you see? Brother Branham said, when the word has been spoken for this certain generation, there's going to be somebody rise on the scene that will fulfill that word. Because God has spoken. It. It's a vindication of the spoken word. Do you realize that the bride is the actual vindication of this message? He said that the Bible said that there would be a bride without spot and wrinkle. Is she on the earth today? Can you testify that the, despite of all your mistakes, despite of all your human failures that you see, there is a bride on the earth without a single spot or wrinkle? And it's not that no, that another human don't see a spot or wrinkle. It's God that doesn't see a spot or a wrinkle. So that is the vindication that the message is the right. Because God said there'd be a bride. Well, before there can be a bride, there's got to be a restoration. God has to send a prophet. Did he? Well, here we are. In John 1, 14, in the beginning, in 1 John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He said, think, your garments washed by the water of the bleeding Word. Now, the Bible cannot bleed. So why would a prophet make a statement that we're washed by the water of the bleeding Word? Is because he came in flesh. He was the word made flesh and that enabled the word to bleed for you. Because he was not the blood of Mary. He was not the blood of Joseph. He was not the blood of a Jew. He was not the blood of a Gentile. He was not the blood of a Samaritan. He was the blood of God. The prophet tells us that we are saved by the blood of God. If we're saved by a Jew, if we're saved by a Samaritan, then we, we, it's impossible. We're all lost. We are saved. By the blood of God. He said, the word bled for you, and you are washed in the bleeding word. The word bleeding, the life of God in the word, and the word was bled for you. Now, God has sent the greatest message to the earth since Jesus Christ. Do you believe that tonight? You think about it. How many great men have lived on the earth throughout all the church ages? And God has predestinated us to live in this end time. And to be under, under, under the voice of God, the voice behind the voice. And to be a part of the greatest ministry since Jesus Christ. The prophet would even be bold enough to say that he did more miracles in his own ministry, talking about he said, my humble ministry than he did in his own 2,000 years ago. So how can, there, how can this generation be without an excuse? How can this generation have an excuse when he would go around the world seven times, forward and backward, and God would vindicate, and he'd preach the word. You think of this challenge. He would preach the word, and he said, if I've told you the truth, then you let God come and vindicate it. Who, what man would be brave enough to do that? Could you imagine it's July here, and, and, someone, and, and 
Brother Andrew standing here and saying, and, and, and saying, if it's, if this is the truth, it would be, if this is the truth, then it'd go outside and there'll be snow, and it's July. But if God told him to say that, it would be snow outside. You see, but I'm trying to just be extreme that no man can do that to, to be able to say after preaching the word, if I have told you the truth, let him come down right now and vindicate that what I've told you is the truth. Do you think when that, when, when, when Brother Brim was in Oregon and that maniac ran through the back door to break every bone in his body, do you think that he within himself, he might, he might have been a boxer in his natural self, but he couldn't have competed. That, that guy was some heavyweight. Brother Brim might have been bantam or feather or whatever, whatever the classes are. He was a little man, but yet whenever he came, you see, then God came and vindicated his prophet. And he said, today you'll fall over my feet. What, what, what five-foot man could say something like that? What five-foot man could say that today you'll fall over my feet? But God vindicated that it wasn't a man. God vindicated that this message didn't come from the mind of a man. If this message came from the mind of a man, we're all lost. If this message came from the mind of a man and we're just following the opinion, then God have mercy. This message is Jesus Christ. He said, speaking here, and it is I be not afraid. He said, but I believe that Jesus Christ is here. I believe he's here in every strength and everything that he ever was on the earth. The only different is the corporal body that sits on the throne of God. And that's there as a peace offering for you. He said this in 1962, and it was true then. In 2022, it's true now. You think Jesus Christ is here. And he's here in every strength. He's no weaker just because the prophet went home. And everything he was ever on the earth, he's still the same right here. It's not just in this generation. It's not just in 2022, but it's in this service. In every strength, he's the same. In every strength. God just needs an agency. The agency God uses is just humble human vessels. That, that, that's, that's all. In Exodus 3.8, speaking to Moses, he said, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now here, God said that I am come down. But who did he send? He sent Moses. When you look, you see Moses was in Egypt, but God identified himself in the prophet to say that I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them. God don't just bring you out of the world to leave you sitting there. God brings us out of the world to then put us in him and our position. That is redemption. So if you notice, Moses was not the one that led them over to the land of milk and honey. It was the Joshua ministry that did that. But God identified himself with both. He said, I have come down to deliver them out of Egypt and to bring them into the land. That was Moses and then Elijah. But God still identified himself as being the one doing that. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The shout in that scripture, think what a blessed people you are. People all over the, the religious landscape of the world are expecting to hear this loud,
loud, deafening trumpet or this loud shout or however they have it in their own mind. And the shout is the message. And you've heard it. And if you really heard the message and you really are become a part of the shout, then you're going to be part of the resurrection. You're in the rapture. You're already in it. You can't be in the shout and miss the trump. Now, the burden of vindication does not fall on you and me. The burden of vindication does not even fall on the messenger. The burden of vindication falls on God himself. It's not your job or our job to vindicate the message. God's already done that. We're, we're, not, we're not climbing up in the mountains raising our hand for that sword to hit. He's already done that. The bride has got the sword in her hand. We're not, we're, we're not looking for caves, Brother Jerry, looking and just waiting to see if that angel will appear. We believe the testimony. We believe the testimony that God, an angel met him. Why? Because we see the works. God vindicated it. How many people were there with Moses in the burning bush? Not one. But when Moses said, I met the pillar of fire, I met the I am, and this is what he told me to do, and they seen it, to disbelieve that sign was sin. In the church age book. Don't you love the church age book? <laughs> Brother Bram said, though, he, he's talking about the seventh church age messenger. He said, though he will not be popular, he will be vindicated by God. As Jesus authenticated John and the Holy Ghost authenticated Jesus, we can well expect this man will first of all, uh, uh, first of all authenticated by the Spirit, working in his life in acts of power that are indisputable and found nowhere else. You had carnal impersonations, but you couldn't find the movement of the Spirit like you could in the prophet's ministry in this capacity. And Jesus himself in returning will authenticate him even as he authenticated John. John witnessed that Jesus was coming, and so will this man, like John, witness that Jesus is coming. And the very return of Christ will prove that this man indeed was the forerunner of a second coming. This is the final evidence that this indeed is the prophet of Malachi 4. For the end of the Gentile period will be Jesus himself appearing then it will be too late for those who have rejected him think about that that will be the final evidence that brother Brandon was malachi for is when jesus comes jesus himself was the vindication of john the baptist ministry jesus himself is the vindication of the truth and accuracy of this message. It don't have to be embellished by man. It don't have to be pumped up. It don't have to be propped up. It don't have to be faked. It is reality. And Jesus, whenever John, you know, it wasn't to John, or, or like I said, it wasn't to John the Baptist or Brother Branham. They, it, they didn't have to wring their hands in stress. When John said that there's coming one after me, it did not stress or concern him about whether the uh, Messiah would appear or not. He said, he who told me to baptize said, upon whom you'll see the Holy Ghost descending and remaining on, he's the Lamb of God. 
So when he was preaching, he did not get anxious and all worried if Jesus was really coming. Was the Messiah going to come? He just did his job. And Jesus, when Jesus came, whenever they were questioning him, are you the Messiah? And, and all these different things. And he was baptizing. And one day, as he was baptizing, he looked and he seen a man coming, a common-looking man coming down the river to be baptized. And he said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Jesus said, suffer it to be so. Jesus himself, God in flesh, Brother Jonathan, was the very vindication that John foran his first coming. It was God in flesh. Jesus, God vindicated John the Baptist's ministry himself. He didn't need religious people. He didn't need anybody else. He himself, he had a humble forerunner, and he himself stepped into the water, and then he began his ministry. The message produces what it preaches. That's the vindication. As I said earlier, did the message preach that there's a bride? That, he, that the message is the bridegroom call. And is there a bride on the earth? That's the vindication. Amen. That the message, what it teaches and what it preaches is reality. There, there's good people all over the world. I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand that I'm trying to say if someone doesn't believe the message and they're just they're not in the economy of God. They can still be in the economy of God. But we're talking about the bride. That... That, that's who I believe I'm preaching to is the bride. That's who we're talking about is the bride. So when the bride being on earth, this message produces lives above reproach. The word, what it says, where you've got multitudes and multitudes of people that cannot live this word. From the laity to the ministry, they cannot live the word, but the bride can live it. Why? Because it's the Holy Ghost in her vindicating the word, living out the word through their lives. We cannot live this message in this Bible through ourselves, but it's the Holy Ghost in us. And that is the vindication of it. Let me tell you something. This message produces the cream of the crop. This message produces the best preachers. This message produces the best brothers, the best sisters, the best families, the best marriages, the best children. This message produces it. The best. Glory to God. We're not held. All, all, all these different bests I just named were not held together by something that somebody said in 1963. It's not some Dr. Phil or, or, or whoever, Dr. Dobson, and it's just steps to try and get better. This is reality. This message doesn't just live at church. This message goes home and lives. It lives on Monday. It lives on Tuesday. It lives on Wednesday. It lives all the way through. It's not just, it's not just for church. The angel that met Brother Branham in the cave and explained the three pools of the ministry, it happened just like he said. Brother Bram would describe a pillar of fire, and in 1933, while baptizing the 17th person, it came down in front of witnesses. God appeared in the cloud over Arizona there, showing the fully wigged one. Why? Because we're living in an hour of judgment. Now remember, to you, it was shalom, relax, peace. I've come down, and I'm going to take care of everything. I fully redeemed you, Ruth. 
But to the world, a prophet picked up a rock and he threw it in the air. And he said, thus saith the Lord, judgment is going to strike the West Coast. How can a man within himself ever say a thing like that? But three days later or so, Alaska almost sunk. And what happened? That began a judgment cycle on this nation and the world that hasn't stopped since. But to you, it's peace. To you, it's love. To you, it's mercy. To you, it's thank you, Lord. But to the world, it's judgment. He said, I wasn't the one that appeared down there on the river. He said, I was only standing there when he appeared. I'm not the one that performs these things and foretells these things that happens as perfect as they are. I'm only the one that's near when he does it. I was only a voice that he used to say it. It wasn't what I knew. It's what I surrendered myself to that he spoke through. It wasn't me. It wasn't the seventh angel. Oh, no. It was the manifestation of the Son of Man. It wasn't the angel, his message. It was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man. It's God. The angel was not the son of man. He was the messenger from the son of man. The son of man is Christ. He's the one that you're feeding on. He's the one that we preach. You're not feeding on a man. A man, his words will fail, but you're feeding on the unfailing body word of the son of man. Now, it's pretty obvious that if, if this word, if this message was not vindicated by a man, then why in the world can it be discredited by man? Why? If God vindicated it, then what makes a man, man or woman, what makes a person think that they can come around and discredit this message when God was the one that came down? God was the one that came in a pillar of fire. They didn't stand there and discern the hearts of the thoughts of the intent of Sarah's heart. God did that. They're not going to change your body. God's going to change your body. God vindicated it. God's watching over it. God has manifested it. And God will take it home one day. God's going to take this little bride home. A man can discredit this message. As I said, when Moses met the pillar of fire in a burning bush, there were no witnesses. Nobody was there, but they seen the vindication of it. And that led out two million or more people. Faith in that. But you see, whenever, whenever Moses went down there and he performed that first miracle, one of the first there, when the river turned to blood, you know, Pharaoh at first, you know, he, y'all have seen the Ten Commandments? He kind of feared at first a little bit. But then a news article came out. And said, actually, it wasn't supernatural. A volcano all so many miles away blew up and, and the mud spewed into the river. And that's what caused it. So your God is nothing special. This message that, that you're believing, this first Exodus message is nothing special. A volcano did that. So we see that same spirit don't die. Remember, history repeats itself. The Pharisees, after the resurrection of Jesus... Do you know that was the Easter seal, his resurrection? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, every, all the miracles, all the words, all the teaching and preaching would not have amounted to anything had he not rose from the dead. That's what the prophet said. That sealed it. 
Because that proved that he was more than a man. So the Pharisees, after he rose from the dead, the Pharisees no doubt had written notarized confessions of the soldiers that they were paid to, that, that they were paid to, to keep quiet while the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus. And, 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 and here, right here is a written confession. Here's a written confession of a Roman soldier that, that the disciples came and stole him. I don't care what the devil produces. I don't care what article or what accusation the critic produces. We have the Holy Ghost today because he rose from the dead. That's how I know. That's how you know. You know, Brother Shannon, that he rose from the dead because if he didn't rise from the dead, you couldn't have the Holy Ghost. That's the vindication of it, that he rose from the dead. You don't have to. It's a blessing to go see the empty tomb. But what you have to know that he rose from the dead is when he vindicates it is when you get the Holy Ghost. It would be impossible to have the Holy Ghost if he didn't raise from the dead. So here we are, and the word has been vindicated. The seven thunders have awoke the bride to recognize who she is. This is different than just other church ages. This is different from different churches because we have been awakened to the fact that there's a rapture at hand. Jesus said in John 15, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. Think about how powerful that is. If I didn't come and actually preach the truth to you, you could have kept going on and you wouldn't have had any sin. He said, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth the Father also. If I had not, and I think history repeats itself. Think about the day we're living in. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my Father. When the prophet of God was here, and he, they were, don't think he didn't have critics. But many times they, were, they, they wouldn't dare come. They would always talk behind his back. That, that's just that. That's just like a devil, isn't it? That's just like the devil. He waited till God rested in the Garden of Eden to come and spoil the masterpiece. That's just like a devil. So the prophet of God, they, they would criticize him on Jesus' name baptism, wouldn't they? And he stood before 300 preachers. That's more than what we probably have sitting in this church right now. But let's just say, because this is a visual, say every single one, 300 preachers, and he said, I know what you have against me. He said, but one of you, come up here, take your Bible, not your church creed, not your pamphlet, not your own idea, not your own opinion. You take your Bible and come stand by me and you disprove Jesus' name baptism. You come and you disprove serpent seed. Not one of them moved. Not one of them moved. Why? Because they couldn't resist it. They could not resist the vindication of the word. Then they said they're going to all come get baptized, but how many came? Not one. Not one. So if the message had not come and taught true baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, they would have, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. If the original sin didn't expose Satan and serpent seed, if that had not been revealed, they would have a cloak for their sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Do you see the word is open? There's no more excuse. 
if the word didn't actually expose that denominationalism was the mark of the beast. Now, not the people. Not the people, but the system. There's a big difference. The system. That's why the message calls come out of her, my people. So if Jesus hadn't exposed that in this end time, they would not have sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. But you know, back then, when Jesus was on the earth, when he would do miracles and things and he would be teaching, they would discredit him all the time. They said, well, we don't know about you. Jesus healed a blind man. He said, we don't, we don't know about this Jesus. We're Moses' disciple. We're Moses' disciple. And Jesus said, for if he had believed me, you would have, if you would have believed Moses, you'd believe me, for he wrote of me. What do people say today? We're Jesus' disciple. We're Paul's disciple. Well, if you would believe Jesus, he spoke of the prophet coming. If you would believe Paul, he spoke of the message coming. He said here in the spoken words, the original seed, he said, let me say this. Not sacrilegious, but let me say this about the message that I'm preaching. If God don't vindicate this to be the truth, then it's not. Isn't that so simple? If God doesn't vindicate it, and he just delivered it. He said, if God doesn't vindicate this to be the truth, then it's not. You talk about a man knowing where he's standing. But if the word vindicates, I'm telling you the truth, then believe the word. They are what testify whether I'm telling the truth or not. They're the testimony. He promised this for the, in the last days. Here it is. He said that it would do. Here it is. We're going right into it now. You'll see whether it's the truth or not. Let God do the testifying. See how he just put it in the hands of God? He knew where he stood, and he knew that God would come behind him and say amen. He says, here it is. We're going into it right now. Let God do the testifying. If the works, the things that I'm preaching don't testify back that it's the truth and it's not the truth. But if the word speaks of this, and here it is, then what are you going to do about it? See, he gets it and he puts it back in our laps. That's the spirit of Elijah. When he was on Mount Carmel... He, he, he said, you know, let's, y'all, you know, Israel, you're worshiping Baal. Let's, let's prove this matter. If God be God, let him show up. Now, Elijah knew where he was standing. He wouldn't have done that, brother, and said, without a vision. The bride knows where she stands. The bride is a mature lady. She's not tossed around. She's not tossed from pillar to post. She knows that she's missed Jesus Christ. In John 10, Jesus speaking said, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe me not, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now God vindicates his word. Amen? God vindicates his word. And he sent his prophet around the earth. And vindicated his, the message, God's message, seven times. And despite all the infallible proofs, despite all the vindication, despite all the miracles, despite all, all the word, the world still rejected it. This is a rejected 
speaking in the world, this is a rejected message. It's a hated message. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus was rejected then, why would, he, why would we expect the whole world to accept him now? If he does the same works, he preaches the same word, and does everything, the world rejects him. Whenever Brother Brandon was trying to go into Africa to win souls for Jesus Christ, the denominational churches literally blocked him from doing that. They literally banned it. They, they hated that Jesus name baptism. They hated what he preached so much that they banded together and they united themselves together against the word just as the Pharisees and all the religious world of that day united themselves with the government to crucify Jesus. Because there's got to be a uniting with something. And so the bride is uniting with Jesus Christ. So God had his prophet on the earth. And he had his prophet preach a sermon that I'd recommend you go listen to called the indictment. Now, the indictment means a formal charge or accusation of a serious crime. And, he, and, and God's prophet indicted the churches for the second crucifixion of the word. He said, how? He said, you, you, how, how do you crucify the word? You can't drive nail spikes into the word. You can't get the, the word and nail it to a cross. He said, he's crucified from the denominational pulpits. Because whenever the ministry would come into town, they would warn the people from the pulpits and say, don't go there. He has fanaticism. Don't believe that. And they didn't realize that they were actually killing their own people spiritually when they were doing that. So after that went on for a long time, and God gave him the, gave Brother Brandon the permission to stand up, he said, I'm his attorney, and he said that I indict this generation for the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Because they did, they took the same Lord Jesus, Hebrews 13, 8. They did the same works, preached the same word, rejected it. And as I said, nailed it to a cross from their denominational pulpits and told the people not to hear the prophet. And today, we're standing in another Pilate's judgment hall. Now, not a Jesus of 2,000 years ago, but the Jesus of today. Now, let me just say this in here. When, whenever, you, whenever you hear the name Jesus, that can bring many different things. You know, Jesus, what he did, or maybe how he walked the shores of Galilee, maybe how he suffered, maybe how he loved, maybe how he prayed for the children, maybe how he healed the lepers. But what we have to understand is that whenever we speak of Jesus, Christ, the anointed word, it's not the man from 2,000 years ago. It's also the word anointed today. You see? Just as the religious people from 2,000 years ago could look back and say, we love Moses. We're Moses' disciples. It was easy to look back. And they crucified the God of Moses, the very pillar of fire that led Moses. They put on a tree and hung him. So now, what does the world do? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. 2,000 years ago, I love Jesus. But they crucified the word. 
You see, it's, it's not the Jesus of 2,000 years ago, but today, because remember, he's the same in power. He's the same in word. He's the same in deed. He's the same in miracles. He's the same in every way but his literal body. So that is, Jesus Christ is in the form of his bride. She is the man, Brother Ram says she's the manifestation of the hour. So this message, just as Jesus was 2,000 years ago, is attacked, scoffed, criticized, beat, slapped, spit upon. They attack the pillar of fire. They attack the pillar of fire as, as, as oh, you know, that, that was just the light in the, in the building, and it was just the angle. Lights in a building don't come and discern your heart. Lights in a building don't come and take every spirit under his control. Lights don't do that. It's that same pillar of fire, and it's here right now. It's still here to do the same work. It's not, it's, it's Satan beating the word. But he's got this day coming. They attack the cloud in Arizona as some missile. It's ridiculous. It's no, more, it's no less ridiculous than to think that we came from monkeys. Because a Thor missile cannot awaken the bride. A Thor missile cannot reveal the seven seals. Seven angels, the white-wigged one, came. Glory! He came in this end time. As the white-wigged one. What did Jesus say? All judgment is committed to the Son. But they scoff. They attack. And them seven angels met a prophet on the earth. It commissioned him to go from Arizona back east and revealed seven seals. That's why we're here. It's because them seals have been revealed. A Thor missile would not send a prophet back east. We would not be gathered here over a Thor missile or an auditorium light. That's ridiculous. An auditorium light would not allow you to live a life above sin. It, a, a, a Thor missile, what, what would that do for you? The very presence of God is in his church. Doing the same works. Believing the same word. We're still under the effect of the open word. And we will be. When the rapture comes, we're still going to be under the effect. Whenever we're in the millennium, we're still under the effect. Whenever the new heavens and the new earth come down, we're still under the effect. When we've been there 10,000 years, Brother Fred, and it seems like we've just begun, we're still under the effects of the open word. And you say, Thor, missile? Get out of here. It's ridiculous. It really is. Now, you see, taking the words of a God-chosen vessel and misconstruing them to say something that it's not is nothing new. Satan did it from the very beginning. He said, you know, when he misquoted God. 
Satan did it from the very beginning. They did it to Jesus. Whenever that he was in Pilate's judgment hall, and they came and began to accuse him. They said, this man said that he can destroy this temple and in three days raise it up. Did he say it? Yeah. But that's not what he meant. So they do the same thing to the message. They'll come in there and they'll twist what the prophet said. They, they'll twist because, you know, the Bible said that in 1st and 2nd Peter right in there, he said that the Bible is of no private interpretation. What does that mean? That means that it cannot be isolated. You look that up in the Schofield. It means it's got to be continuity from start to finish. It's got to weave in and out, in and out. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. So after all that, we come to the original text, the original title of this sermon. What will you do with this word called the message? Jesus is on the hands of the world. He's on the hands of every person. And a decision must be made. Remember, the anointed word is Jesus Christ. And Christ has unveiled himself before our wide and wondering eyes in this end time. So we have a choice. There's Jesus, the anointed word, who did nothing but heal the sick, did nothing but cast out devils, was God in flesh, the word made manifest. And on this side, you have Barabbas. He's a, he was a murderer. He was a thief. He committed an insurrection, you know, some, some rebellion against Rome or something and got somebody killed. And a choice had to be made. You say, Barabbas is anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Barabbas can be the world. Barabbas can be a relationship that would pull you away from God. Barabbas can be friendships. Barabbas can be a career to pull you out of church. Name it anything. I don't know what you're going through, but he knows. But before you, you have the anointed word, and you have a Barabbas. And a decision has got to be made. What will I do with Jesus called Christ, Pilate said. He had been placed on his hands. The blood of Jesus Christ is placed again on the hands of this congregation. It's placed on the hands of this nation and around the world. Where these tapes has been and the things has been vindicated and proven by God, of God. Now, what will we do with this Jesus that's called the same yesterday, today, and forever? What will we do with this Jesus? Are you ready to take your place at his side? The prophet's nailing it down to an entire generation. Year, this, this was preached in 1963. Years and years and years, this, the word had been properly vindicated, vindicated, miracles, signs and wonders unexplainable the word had been preached and the world had to make a decision now Pilate he tried three different ways to get Jesus off of his hands he tried to wash Jesus off of his hands remember he said I find no fault in him so you see it's not enough that we just don't find a fault with the word that the word I believe it 
That's right. The, the, the word is spotless. Man, I tell you what, I felt chills in service, and it, it's wonderful. And I can't find no fault in this word. I can't find no fault. But you don't take your place by them. You don't exactly choose them, but you find no fault. You can't wash your hands. That's trying to wash your hands. So he even tried, after that, he tried to wash his hands, but he couldn't. You can't get Jesus off your hands by washing him off, by just pushing it off. So as I said, just because we've got to not only, just because you recognize there's something to the word, but you're trying to wash your hands of a true born-again experience is doing the same thing. The second thing Pilate tried to do was he tried to pass Jesus on for someone else to deal with. Remember, he sent him to Herod, and Herod, you know, he heard a lot about Jesus. He actually wanted to be entertained by him. He said, you know, do a trick. And you find people with the same spirit, they want to be entertained. Entertain me in some way. So Pilate tried to push him to Herod, pass the buck as it was, to try and let someone else deal with Jesus. But we've all got to deal with Jesus. Because remember, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. So what, 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 what does that mean? Well, if, you're, if, if, if we know about the message and God has blessed us beyond, there's no other greater blessing than to know this truth. There's no other blessing. There's no greater blessing, I mean to say. So it's not just enough to know that. You can't just pass it off. We all have to deal with it. God gave us this truth, and now God's going to require it of us. So he tried to pass them to Herod. When we tried to pass them to Herod, what did it do? It came right back to him. People try and, pa try and pass the word around. Well, I'm not going to serve God until my wife believes it. Or I'm not going to serve God until my husband does, or until my kids. Or I'm not, I'm not going to serve God until maybe after I'm, I graduate college. Or maybe when I get here, when I get married. This message is for old people. No, this message is for young. It's for middle age. It's for old. From cradle to grave, from cradle to glory, this message is for you. Don't let Satan tell you and try and get you to push this message off. To push a born-again experience off. To push a pillar a fire experience off to some other time. Don't do like Pilate. Because it's going to come right back in our lap. We try and push and wait. And push it off. And give excuses. It's, it's not going to work. So the third thing was Pilate was forced to make a decision. We're forced to make a decision. At some point in our lives, even you, that's been, even you that's born again, on your way to heaven and filled with the Holy Ghost, at some point in your life, we were forced to make a decision because as sinners, we have Jesus Christ in our hands. Because your sin and my sin killed them. In a nutshell, your sins and my sins killed the Prince of Life. So we have the blood of Jesus on our hands. We come to this world speaking lies. We have a thirst for the things of the world. We have a thirst for the things. We, we, our natural 
tendency is to run from God. But there comes a time where you have got to make a decision. You can't wash your hands. You can't push it for another day. You can't push it for no other excuse. You've got to bring it home. You either accept it or you reject it. Now, there is still mercy. And he stands before you as the perfect, proven, vindicated word of God. Yeah, he's beaten. Yeah, he's got the crown of thorns. Yeah, he's got handfuls of beard jerked out of his face. Yeah, he's mocked. He's made fun of. And all these other things. But he's still the vindicated word. He's still the lamb of God. He's still that wounded dove. Remember, brother, I'm telling the story. I think it was in World War I or World War II. It might have been World War I. They had the, the pigeons. They had the messenger pigeons. And they were, they were bound down, and, and they were, they were kind of, their position was coming under heavy enemy fire, and they needed some reinforcements. So they got this little message, and they told them their position or what they needed or whatever it was, and they put it in this pigeon, and they sent this dove off. Well, the enemy knew, knew the tactics. They no doubt did the same thing. Well, they seen this dove fly from the enemy. So they begin to then turn all their guns on this heavenly messenger, and they begin to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And this dove got shot in the wing and got, 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 got shot in the leg or got, got shot in different areas of the body. And it was a wounded dove. But the dove kept flying and kept flying and kept flying and kept flying because it, had a, 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 it was like a homing pigeon and it had to get home. It had a message to deliver. It had a message to deliver. And when it actually made it to the Americans on the other side that had the ability to send them reinforcements, it arrived a broken, wounded, beaten dove. But the message got through. The message got through. And the Americans sent reinforcements there and they pushed back the enemy because the message of a wounded dove. It was a wounded dove 2,000 years ago. And that wounded dove, he, like I said, he was just so beaten. And you think that the population, you know, of that day, they actually chose, that would be like choosing a, like a serial killer or choosing, you know, a pedophile or something. Choosing a, a convict. Guilty of death. And rejecting the prince of life. All because of religious bias. So there he stands with a crown of thorn, beaten beyond all recognition. And the people had to make a choice. And as I said, he stands before you, the perfect, proven, vindicated word. And we have to make a choice. Just because the world is crucifying him afresh doesn't mean you have to. Just because the world is still beating this word, just because the world is still mocking and spitting and hating the word doesn't mean you have to. Because even in Jesus' first crucifixion, there were people there, the disciples, that could see who he was. And it hurt them. It just, it just tore their heart out to see what he had to go through. But he did it for them. The only way to get Jesus Christ off your hands is to accept him. Washing don't take him off. Pushing him down the road. Pushing pushing him away to someone else, and making excuses, that does not get him off of your hands. 
But do you know something as simple as receiving him does? Receiving and accepting him, then it goes from your hands to your heart. And when it's in your heart, that's where the mercy is. He's the, here's the only thing we can do. If you cannot wash him off your hands, you can't pass him on to somebody else. You can't just mythically pass it by. There's no way in the world the only thing you can do is accept it. In your heart, there's no way to get rid of him. Take him off your hands and put him in your heart. Or leave him on your hands and stand the judgment. That's the only thing you can do. Let's stand to our feet tonight. The musicians will come. This message is the truth. This message is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The anointed word, and it's rejected. It's been vindicated, and these were just some, a few points. You, you can go on and on and on about the vindication of the word in this hour. But you know, you know we hear the tapes, and, and you hear the prayer lines. And you, a lot of times, I even will identify myself with the prayer line. It's on the tape, and you identify yourself. Somebody's coming in for something, and maybe you have a loved one with that situation. And you identify there's power in that. And God would vindicate his word before men over and over and over again. But do you know the greatest vindication of this message is you? Because you are the, the manifestation of this hour. God sent a prophet, and we believe that with all of our hearts. And he sent him with a message, and he did well done. We respect that man, and we respect the office, and we'll always have that association with him on the other side. But do you know, whenever Eliezer brought Rebecca, And she was on this camel train. And as they were coming along, there was Isaac. The Bible said he was meditating in the, in the field in the evening time. And whenever Isaac, whenever Rebecca had identified, that's my Isaac. Eliezer's job was done. Eliezer, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You brought Rebecca to Isaac. But you know, now it became such an intimate love affair between Rebecca and Isaac. Not, you know, not, I, know, I know people are streaming everywhere and I know that this may be kind of a different kind of sermon. And you may think, you know, and, and maybe no one here, maybe that I had put too much emphasis on Brother Branham this, this evening. But don't think that. He introduced us to Jesus Christ, the Word. We're here right now. Many of us are married to who we're married to. Many of us live where we live. Our lives are so intertwined because he left his home. You know, us with the little children, it would just... To have to leave home with your kids crying, Daddy, please don't go. But, but you know, may, maybe there was 
a woman in Memphis that was praying. Maybe there was a, a little old lady somewhere, just a nobody to the world that was praying, God, send a revival to my city. And God had his prophet go. And he preached, hoarse, tired, sick, so we can have this message. So we can know what true reality is. So we can know who Jesus really is. We're not worshiping the God of a manger. We're, we're not, even during Christmas time, it's a day of worship. We worship what God is now. We don't just, we don't worship God on, on a crucifix. He came and he paid that price. But God wants to live in you. God wants to live in you. And, and he's made it so he's put us where he put all the, all the nation of Israel. He knew what they would do. Do you know when he was in Pilate's judgment hall, there came a point to where he would quit talking? All that preaching, all that teaching, but there came a time where the word was already spoken. People have already made their decisions. And Jesus Christ, the anointed word, stands before us. And I ask you, what will you do? Not Brother Ron, not Brother Andrew, not my neighbor, not my parents, not my mom, not my dad, not my children. But what will you do with this word that we call the message? Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, how we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for these moments, Lord, of reflection in your word, Father. We thank you, Lord, that there's a way, Lord, that we can still have mercy, Lord. And Father, we don't have to do penance. We don't have to burn candles. We don't, we don't have to give millions of dollars to churches. We don't have to crawl on our knees and do all kinds of painful things. Lord, you already paid the price. You already went through the agony. You already went through the rejection. All we have to do is accept it. And Father, we give our lives to you. And Father, if there's one here, Lord, that still has you on their hands, may they not push it off. May they not try and wash it off. May this be the moment. May this be the moment, Lord, that you vindicate your word. This born-again experience is not just for the preachers. It's not just for the elderly people. It's not just for a certain class. Lord Jesus, is for the bride. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your word that has spoken to our hearts. Now, Lord, we just pray, oh God, that may your spirit just so water the word. Lord, we believe this message with all of our hearts. Lord, the world has rejected it. The world wants nothing to do with it, but we love it. We want more of it. Because we know it's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I commit this audience to you. I commit myself to you, Father. Lord, may that same Lord Jesus, Lord, that's here in every way, in every power, in every way, except your corporal body, come through this audience tonight, Lord, and search our hearts. We love you, Lord, and we give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.
choice be right now what will your choice be in your heart as for me and my house 
I choose to serve the Lord. All the way I'm going all the way
decision I'm going Have you made a decision right now? There'll be no turning back I'm going Hallelujah Oh, I made my decision I'm going all the way I'm going all the way With the Lord My mind's made up My mind is made up
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 I made my decision. I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few. Oh, don't you appreciate the word of God tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song, Shout to the Lord. Let's give him our praise this evening. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you.
this message. His name is Jesus. Oh, you're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, hallelujah. And that's just the way it is. Hallelujah. Right now's the time to make a decision. Will you come out and serve the living God? Or will you choose Barabbas? One gives life and one brings death. And right now, in the good times and bad, oh, you are on your throne. For you are God alone. You're unchangeable. You're
dismiss this evening go reverently respectful say Lord be born in this heart of mine how many me how many here would make that declaration Lord live in me let it flow forth from your lips have a confession right there Lord let this word let this message let this truth live in me don't let me choose Barabbas over you but let me choose the word of the living God right now. May God richly bless you as you go in the name of the Lord. In the manger of my heart, oh, let your 